him drink a drop of its water, if it was worth the wing of a mosquito. And there are a lot of Muslims who place the world on their head like a crown. When the companions used to place the, the, the world in their hands and their religion like a crown. If, what is in their, if, if their crown went out of place, they would put what was in their hands on the ground. So the hereafter was on their head and when it went out of place, they dropped the dunya and they fixed their religion. Today it's the opposite, my dear brothers and sisters. Today it's the opposite. They sacrificed their wealth. There was a time, my dear brothers and sisters, a story of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and Umar. Umar radiallahu anhu used to always try to beat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu because this was their quality. They always were jealous of each other when someone did better good deeds. Not jealous of each other when someone had more money or beauty or a voice or whatever. And they would love each other and try to beat each other for that. So one day the Muslims were in need and they were in great poverty. And the Prophet ﷺ called the Muslims to bring what they have of wealth if they are able to do so. So Umar said, today wallahi I'm going to beat Abu Bakr anhu. So he went to his house and he said, I'm going to take half of everything that I have in my house. And so even the earrings, he took one earring and left another earring for his wife. His wealth, he split it in half, everything. And he held a large baggage on top of his shoulder and he walked with them. On his way, he saw Abu Bakr anhu, and he was only carrying a small amount. And he said, Alhamdulillah, today I have beaten him. Yes, this is how they raced each other. When they reached the Prophet wasallam, the Prophet asked Umar anhu, what have you left for your family? Have you looked after them? He said, yes, Ya Rasulullah, I've left half of my wealth. He said, Barakallahu fika Ya Umar. Then he turned to Abu Bakr radiallahu and he said, What have you left for your family, Abu Bakr? You have brought a very small amount. He said, Taraktu lahum Allahu wa Rasuluh. He said, I left for them Allah and His Messenger. I left for them Allah and His Messenger. He left nothing but Allah and His Messenger. They will look after them. Subhanallah. And that's when Umar ibn Khattab said, Ya Laytani, I wish that I were a hair on the chest of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. La ilaha illallah. What about Mus'ab ibn Umair, who resembled the Prophet ﷺ in his appearance and character, who the Prophet ﷺ looked at him and knew that he has a beautiful tongue, so he sent him to Medina. He was the one who went to Medina, and when the Prophet ﷺ migrated from Mecca to Medina, he found 8,000 8, people from Medina that were singing Tala al-Badru alayna min thaniyat al-Wada'. Where did they come from? From Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu. Before Islam, he was the wealthiest. Before Islam, he was the most handsomest. Before Islam, he used to look after himself that he used to put so much cologne and would look after himself so much that the women of Mecca, when they smelt his perfume, they would stand in a line to wait for him to pass, wanting to attract him. Yes, this was Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu. When he embraced Islam, he donated everything he had of his wealth in the cause of those who are more in need. And then in the battle of Uhud, in the battle of Uhud, Mus'ab ibn Umair, fighting like a lion, defending the Muslims, defending the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when a spear attacked him. It struck him. And then swords, one by one, until he had over 70 stabbings. And he fell to the ground. And then the Prophet sallallahu and the companions after the battle was over, he came to bury the Muslimin, the Mujahideen, the Shuhada. And then when they looked at Mus'ab ibn Umair, they searched through his wealth and he did not find anything with his wealth to cover him. All they could find in his house was a piece of cloth to wrap him up in, the kafan. And when they would 
cover his head, his feet would show. And when they would cover his feet, his head would show. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Bakhim Bakhya Musab ibn Umair. Oh Musab ibn Umair. We did not find anything of the wealth just to cover your whole body and bury you in. You donated it all for those who were in need. In Jannah is where we shall meet. Al-Firdaus al-A'la, my dear brothers and sisters. And many, many more of them. Brothers and sisters, their love for paradise made them do the most amazing things. They made them honorable and kings and the most wealthiest, even though in money they didn't have much. They were kings, even though they did not wear crowns and cloaks made of silk and wool of the most expensive type. They were kings and honorable and happy, even though they did not have what normal people anticipate for and think of it to be happiness. Naam. Their sadness disappeared when they knew their lost ones made it to paradise. If someone died from their family, it was enough for them, for their sadness to go away when they knew that they had ended up in paradise. This is the story of Haritha radiallahu anhu. Haritha radiallahu anhu and his mother, Ummu Haritha. He wanted to go out one time with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam also in one of the battles. And remember my brothers and sisters, the Muslims never fought a battle when they started it. They only fought battles after the enemies had taken, driven them out of their lands and massacred their children and raped their women. Haritha radiallahu anhu, between the age of 20 and 25, he came with the Prophet ﷺ to go out into jihad for the first time. And his mother had prepared him to follow the Prophet ﷺ. And then when they went out, my dear brothers and sisters, the Muslimin arrived to a certain place where there was a well. A well. And one of the, where there was a well. So the Prophet ﷺ said to one of the, one of the Sahaba to go and, and protect that well at night when the Muslims are asleep. So that no one can come to that well and take it over from the enemies. And then in the middle of the night, when the Sahaba was protecting that well, all of a sudden Harith woke up. He woke up to go to the well to drink because he was extremely thirsty when he was asleep. And then when he reached the cliff, he was about to go down into the well. This Sahaba, he looked up into the cliff and he thought he was one of the enemies coming to take over the well. And so he armed his arrow and targeted towards him. And then he speared him. And the arrow struck Haritha radiallahu anhu right in his chest. And then he fell to the ground. And then this Sahaba raced towards him in order to see who it was. And then, to his sadness and sorrow and to his shock, he found that it was Haritha radiallahu anhu. A Muslim had mistakenly killed another Muslim. And as Haritha was dying, he said, La ilaha illallah. And his soul escaped from his body. The Muslims found out the, 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 uh, the story. And they went and they had their battle. And then they returned back to the Muslimin. And then Ummu Haritha came along, his mother, searching for her son. When she saw all the soldiers returning back, she would look at that person and look at this person to see if it was Haritha. But every time she went from one companion to another, it was someone else. And then she grabbed one of the companions and she said to him, My son, my son, where is my son? Is he a shaheed? Is he a martyr? Was he killed in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And then the companions would say, Your son Haritha, no, he wasn't in the battle. He wasn't in the front lines. No, he wasn't killed. Shaheed, I don't think he is a shaheed. And she began to cry and scream. And she said, show me where the Prophet ﷺ is. And when she found him, she grabbed the Prophet, she came to the Prophet ﷺ and she said to him, Ya Rasulullah, qulli tell me, 
My son Haritha, is he in Jannah? Is he in Jannah? Or is he not? Wallahi, if you tell me that he is not in Jannah, you will see what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn this world upside down. This is what a mother feels, ya akhwan. Yes, a mother who understands Jannah and paradise, she wants her son to reach the highest place. But of course, in a worthy cause. Ya Rasulullah, tell me. And if it is not in paradise, you will see what I will do. Then the Prophet looked at her and he yelled and he said, Ya Ummu Haritha, ahabilti, ahabilti Ya Ummu Haritha. Have you gone mad, Ya Ummu Haritha? Have you lost your mind? Inna Haritha qad mata shahidan wa inna Haritha qad asab al-firdaws al-a'la. Innaha jinan, innaha jinan wa inna Haritha fil-firdaws al-a'la. He said, are you crazy, O Ummu Haritha? Haritha died, a martyr in Islam, and he is not only in Jannah, it is many Jannat, it is many paradises, and he has targeted the highest place in Al-Firdaws Al-A'la. Now, because he died with a sincere and proper intention. Yes, my dear brothers and sisters, they sacrificed their lusts and their temptations also in love for paradise. This is another story of a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, a young boy at the age of about 16 or 17. His name is Thalaba radiallahu anhu. Thalaba radiallahu anhu was one of the active youth in the time of the Prophet ﷺ who obeyed the Messenger ﷺ and his heart was firm in the belief of the Qur'an and he was completely convinced in the existence of Allah. And he anticipated and, died and, and, and sacrificed everything to reach Jannah. The Prophet ﷺ once sent Sa'thalaba on an errand. Meaning, he sent him to do something. And then Tha'laba went. It only would have taken him half a day to complete this errand. When on his way, Tha'laba was on his way back to the Prophet ﷺ. When he reached close to Medina... And he was passing by a small village which was built of small tents. And then he heard one of the tents as though there was water being spilt inside, like a shower, as though there was something, someone bathing in there. Thalab did not have the right to open that tent and to look who was inside of there. However, his lust, his hormones played up a bit at that time. And the shaitan deluded him into opening a tiny crack in that tent. And he looked inside and accidentally, to his shock, saw a naked woman bathing. Now, he saw a naked woman bathing. As his temptations and lusts and hormones began to rise, he remembered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he threw the, then he closed the tent. And he screamed so high and so he yelled so loud that he said, qad What have I done? La ilaha illallah. Allah will now send a verse down to the Prophet saying that I am one of the hypocrites. Because at that time the Quran was being sent down. He said, Allah is now going to mention me one of the hypocrites. How could I worship Allah and then go and look into a to see a naked woman in her tent? How can I say that I am a mu'min? 
Allah is surely going to say that I am one of the hypocrites. Say, Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And he forgot all about returning back to the Prophet who was too scared. He did not want to hear anything because almost certain that there was a verse sent down in the name of Thalaba, he is a munafiq. So instead of going to the Prophet he ran away and he headed towards the cliffs. And he stayed up there. When he didn't return to the Prophet the Prophet began to become worried. And he said, where is Thalaba? I hope nothing has happened to him. The next day came and Thalaba hadn't returned. So we sent his companions outside to look for him. And when they went and they tried and they returned, they said, Ya Rasulullah, we don't know where he is. And they kept the search going for about a week. Until finally the Prophet ﷺ sent Abu Bakr and Umar for a special task to look for him and find him. He said, go, look out into the outskirts of Medina, into the cliffs and the hills, into the forests and in the trees, search every tent, ask anyone that you see and search for Thalaba. I'm very worried about Thalaba. And so they went out and it took them weeks to search for him until finally they approached this village where they found a shepherd with his goats. And they approached him and said, have you seen a young man? His descriptions are so-and-so. He is of this height and his name is Thalaba. He said, are you asking about the crying boy? They said, what crying boy? He said, the boy that weeps a lot. There is a young boy that sits up in those cliffs over there. Our village hears him every night crying. And we don't know what his matter is. Every day he comes down and he drinks a bit of milk from my goats. And then he would drag himself back up into the mountains. And they said, this is surely Thalaba. So Abu Bakr and Umar went up to the mountain and they searched for him until they found him, sheltered away underneath leaves. His clothes were, were torn apart. He was withered away, he was so skinny. There was a disease in his skin and he was extremely sick. They thought that he was dying. So then they grabbed him. And as soon as Thalaba saw them, as though terror had happened to him, as if the angel of death came to him. He tried to struggle and run away, but they chased him and caught him. And then they grabbed him. And he said, please, please, don't take me to the Prophet ﷺ. Don't take me to him. Don't take me to him. I'm too scared. They said, what is wrong with you? Take a hold of yourself, ya Thalaba. He said, please don't take me to him. I know, what you are, I know why you are taking me to him. Allah has sent a verse down concerning me, hasn't He? He's sent a verse down concerning me, hasn't He? He said, Ya Thalab, we don't know why the Prophet is asking for you. Please come with us. He said, Yes, I know why. I know why. They said, Wallahi, we have to take you to him. It is a commandment from the Prophet. And so they dragged him on his feet towards the Prophet. And they placed him in his house. And they told him, Thalab is at his home. So the Prophet came to him. And he kneeled down and kissed him on his forehead. And he said to him, Ya Thalaba, what is wrong? And he said, Ya Rasulullah, are you hiding it from me? He said, what am I hiding? He said, Allah has sent down the verse concerning me that I am one of the hypocrites, hasn't he? The Prophet ﷺ looked at him and he was crying. And the Prophet ﷺ said to him, No, Ya Thalaba, Allah has not sent anything in your cause. And then he said, I am going to be punished, Ya Rasulullah. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Ya Thalaba, min madha takhaf? What are you fearing? 
And he said, I fear that Allah is going to place me into the lowest place of hellfire. I did a great sin, Ya Rasulullah. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, min Allah? Are you fearing the anger of Allah? He said, yes. He said, yarju. A mu'min also has another belief, and that is hope. Mada tarju ya thalaba? What do you hope for? What do you wish for? What do you yearn for? And he said, Inni arju rahmatullah. I hope for the mercy of Allah and His forgiveness. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, Fas'alillaha bima tarju. Then ask Allah with that which you are hoping for. And make your assumption about Allah good, you will find it. And then he made a dua, and the Prophet read on his head and made a dua for him. Then all of a sudden, Thalaba said, Ya Rasulullah, I feel as though there are thousands of ants crawling on my body. He said to him, Can you really feel that? And he said, Yes, Ya Rasulullah. And I'm about to go unconscious. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, It is death. It has now come and struck on you. You are dying, ya Thalaba. So say, La ilaha illallah. And then Thalaba began to repeat those words. He said, Say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. And he repeated those words until finally his soul escaped from his body. He was forgiven. But because. My dear brothers and sisters, he used the hope that he had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he desired paradise. So Allah forgave him. Just like those whom Allah mentioned in the Quran when they had three loaves of bread. And then a poor person came and knocked on their door. And he said to him, Miskeen, 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 I'm a poor man. So they brought out their piece of loaf and gave it to him. And then the second day, their door knocked. And then they, he said, Yatim, 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 an orphan, an orphan. And so they gave him that second loaf of bread. And then the third man came a second day and knocked on their door. And he said, Asir, 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 a captive, a captive. They said, here's a loaf of bread. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا إِنَّمَا نُطْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا إِنَّا نَخَافُ مِنْ رَبِّنَا يَوْمًا عَبُوسًا قَنْطَرِيرًا فَوَقَاهُمُ اللَّهُ شَرَّ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ وَلَقَاهُمْ نَظْرَةً وَسُرُورًا وَجَزَاهُمْ بِمَا صَبَرُوا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And they feed their wealth out of love for Allah and desire for Jannah. An asir, a captive, and a poor person, and an orphan. And they would say to them, We are feeding you, not wanting thanks or any reward from you. We seek the pleasure of Allah and we fear a day that will come to us on a day of judgment. Allah says, And so Allah saved them from the bad misfits of that day. And He rewarded them with that which they had to be patient for. Naam, Jannah requires patience, my dear brothers, and struggle. Jannatan wa harira, paradise and silk. وَدَانِيَةً عَلَيْهِمْ ظِلَالُهَا وَذُلِّلَتْ قُطُوفُهَا تَذْلِيلًا And its shade and its trees are upon them. 
and its fruits are easy to go to, to, to reach and they have palaces of gold and they have everything they ever wished for and they have servants who would come round to them with golden bra with golden plates and golden cups giving them grapes and fruit and water and drink and Allah gives them water from a fountain which is so beautiful and tasty they have never tasted anything like it before from a fountain called Salsabila. Naam. Jannah. Jannatun arduha as-samawat wal ard as great and as far as the heavens and earth as the sky and earth. And they also sacrificed their lives. This is my last story my dear brothers and sisters. This is a story which shocked me wallahi al-azim. And it is a story that existed in about the 10th century in the Islamic era. In that time, Muslims were attacking, sorry, enemies of Islam who were ruthless, were attacking the Muslims in a place called Ar-Raqqah in Iraq. And they had invaded the homes and raped the women and stole their children and killed the old men. This is in history. Because they said our Lord is Allah. After doing so, there was a man at that time who existed. He was a great scholar and a great leader in battles. His only cause and motive was to defend the Muslims wherever they may be, wherever they were killed or oppressed. His name was Abu Qudama. This man Abu Qudama was once, and he was very courageous, he was once sitting in the masjid. When a group of people came up to him, and they said to him, Ya Abu Qudama, we have free time right now. Can you tell us of an amazing story that happened during your time? We want to hear the most unusual and surprising story ever to be heard. Can you entertain us, Ya Abu Qudama, and make us come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And then Abu Qudama sat for a while and gathered them. When everyone was silent, like you are right now, he said to them, I recall one of the most shocking stories that ever happened. Until today, I don't know how to explain it. He said, one time I went to that place, Ar-Raqqah in Iraq. And I stood up in the mosques. And I went out to the city where there were young Muslims to recruit soldiers who are ready to defend the borders of Ar-Raqqah, to stand guard over there. And if the enemy attacks, to be strong enough to defend the women and the children. As Allah says in the Quran, what is wrong with you, O believers, that you do not go and fight in the cause of Allah when the weak and feeble people are calling out, O Allah, send people to save us. We are responsible for the weak ones. Whoever and wherever they may be. And so he began to recruit people. Only a few gathered with him. And so he began to ask for some wealth and money. After the day had ended, he rented a small apartment, a little place to stay in. He said, I went into this place and I stayed there. And then just after Isha, when I was praying my night prayer, I was about to pray my witr. When all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, everything is quiet. You can hear the crickets outside. When my door began to knock. I said, subhanallah, nobody knows me here. I've just arrived yesterday. 
And already my door is knocking. Yani someone's knocking at my door. He said, so I slowly went and opened the door. And in front of me there stood a woman. I could not see her face because she had covered all of her body. Everything. And while she was covering her hand, she reached out her hand. And before she opened it, she asked, Are you the man who was calling out for recruitment today? Were you the man who was gathering wealth in order to go and guard our borders and protect us? He said, yes. You were the one who was calling to jihad. He said, yes, I am the one. So she said, please open your arm, your hand. And he opened his hand and she dropped a piece of cloth which was wrapped up into his hand. And he said, take this. It is an amana. It is a trust. And she ran off. That's all she said. I wanted to ask her many other questions, but she had no reply. So I went inside and I opened that cloth and I found a piece of paper with something written on it and a thick lock of hair. I read the paper and the paper said, Today you were calling out for recruitments to fight with you and protect the weak people. I am a woman and unable to fight. And I don't have enough wealth to give you. So my heart was struck with shock and sorrow when I did not find anything to give you. So I went home and cut a lock of my hair. And that is the one you see in this cloth. The only thing which I can give to the cause of this is my lock of hair. I ask you to please use it as your rein. Yani the rope that would steer the horse. So that maybe Allah will recognize this and know that I was fighting with you in that jihad. Even though taking a lock of a hair of a mu'min woman, giving it to a man is not allowed in Islam. But her jihad spirit reached that stage. She couldn't stop herself. She said, and tomorrow someone will come to you. He is a recruitment. See if he is worthy. And that is it. He said, subhanallah, what kind of a woman is this? He said, so I took the lock of hair and I did put it onto my reins. And I, the next morning I gathered the troops and we went out in the, into the battlefield. <clears throat> when we reached the battlefield, you near the borders, we noticed that a group of army after a day began to make their way towards us. And so I got the army ready and I told them to stand guard. As we were about to move forward, I heard a voice from a far distance calling out, Ya Ammi Aba Qudama, Ya Ammi Aba Qudama, Intadhirni, wait for me, my uncle. He looked back and he found a fierce warrior on his horse galloping fiercely towards him. And he had his face covered like this. As soon as this man approached him, Abu Qudama looked at him and said, How can I help you? He said, Wait for me. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, who has written for me to meet you and unite with you. He said, calm down. Calm down and take a bit of breath. He said, you don't understand. I made a dua. 
all my life to have this opportunity. And I thought that you were going to beat me. Allah, this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that I was going to unite with you. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. He said, ask me, what do you want? He said, I want to fight with you. I want to have part in this. And then Abu Qudama said to him, show me your face. I want to know who you are. And then he reluctantly took the cloth off his face. And Abu Qudama said, and I looked at his face, and before me was the most beautiful face that I'd ever laid eyes on. The face of a young man, about 17 or 18 years of age. His face was like the full moon in its brightness. And I noticed that he was young. And I said, son, what experience do you have? How can you come and fight with us? No, you are not allowed to come and fight with us. You are too young. Return back. And he said, but my mother came to you last night. He said, your mother? He said, yes, my mother. He said, who is your mother? And he said, she's the one that gave you a lock of her hair. And she told you to look after me. He said, is that your mother? He said, naam. He said, you should go back and look after her son. Don't come here and fight. And he started to hold on to him, the young boy. And he said to him, no, Abu Qudama, no, no. My father fought in jihad and I want to fight too. I want to defend. Please accept me. I have great experience. I have fought many battles. And I'm an experienced horse rider. I'm a really good experienced person. Wallahi, you will find me that I'm able to help you a lot. When he insisted on him and he insisted on him, Abu Qudama looked at him and he said to him, okay, if you are insisting on traveling along with us, then you have to stand in the last line. And your work is to prepare food for the soldiers. He said, fair enough, I'll do that. So, they went out. And sorry, the enemy wasn't approaching, but they, got, they, they had news of the enemy approaching. And so, the time of lunch came, and the soldiers wanted to eat. And he sent out this young man, his name was Muhammad to go out and prepare the meal. And then when about one or two hours passed, no food had arrived. Abu Qudama said, so I went searching for him and thought what had kept him so long. And when I arrived, I found the pot was boiling in front of him and he was asleep beside it. I said, subhanallah, he must be very tired. Because he said during the whole day, all I saw him was he 